Hello everyone, uh, welcome to Time for Emerging Markets, Doers Within Emerging Markets. I'm here with Sophia Sunwu, um, hope that was pronounced right. Yeah, totally. And she's the founder of Ascent Strategy, um, where she helps women, uh, you know, kind of build their businesses and um, and building a way that actually, you know, addresses, you know, something that is personal to them, something that actually addresses something that they care about, but also, you know, <clears throat> something that is meaningful to them as well. So it's a very interesting uh, consulting platform. And what's much, uh, much more exciting is that, you know, she started Water Collective, which is uh, a nonprofit that uh, provides uh, clean water to, um, you know, communities. Uh, and one of them is in Cameroon, which is where I'm from. And it has been really, really amazing to see that grow and actually create a lot of impact in the community. So uh, we're going to talk more about all of this. And um, it's such a pleasure to have her here. Uh, so um, welcome. And if you can just start by just telling us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thank you so much, Jacob. I'm happy to be here. Uh, so yeah, I've been an entrepreneur for pretty much my whole life. I started my first company when I was 19. Uh, it was a clothing company. My college roommate and I started the company. We were a bunch of kids that love going to punk rock concerts, but all of the <laughs> t-shirts that they sell, they look good on men, on, but not good on women. So we created a clothing brand for women and it accidentally took off. We ended up selling the company after about two years. We ended up in 250 retailers worldwide. So it was a really big learning experience for me. And um, that was what gave me the confidence and helped me uh, think about you know, I didn't want to be in clothing anymore. I didn't want, because clothing becomes quickly a manufacturing job. So I was kind of like, I don't want to do that anymore, but I'm really interested in how I can use business to address social issues. And that was how I got into the water space with my co-founder. And uh, one of the biggest challenges we were thinking through was a lot of the water systems that are installed in communities and rural areas specifically, they break after two to five years, about 30% of them. So our concern was we don't want to just bring new water systems. We want to make sure that they're capable of being maintained and to keep running past like a, just a few years. So um, Water Collective was actually very strongly like a water maintenance organization where we focus more on maintenance education and when we built new catchment systems we also simultaneously made sure that the maintenance um, program around that water system was really strong and built with the community that we're partnering with so um yeah and we started in cameroon we expanded to india um, Cameroon is unfortunately going through a civil war right now, so that's on pause, but um, yeah, I was doing that for about eight years, and then, you know, taking all the experience I learned from those two businesses, I really wanted to focus back on women entrepreneurs. I think that women entrepreneurs have a lot of difficulties that are different from male entrepreneurs that uh, make it harder for them to be successful at the pace that men driven um, on, like startups are like see there's a lot of data on how uh, men led teams are funded more and things like that so uh, I wanted to take my experience and help women 
step into their sovereignty from the perspective of taking ideas that they have in their head and actually making money off of them, building businesses that they love. Um, I focus more on entrepreneurs who want to make some kind of impact or have some kind of purpose. You know, a lot of the clients I work with uh, either, even though they sell jewelry, they make sure that their packaging is in sustainable materials. Even if they're a graphic designer, they make that make sure that proceeds of their sales goes towards nonprofits. So it's people that through their work, they still want to make an impact and have purpose. So uh, yeah, that's kind of a little bit about me and where I'm at right now. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Very detailed. Um, and by the way, your blog posts on LinkedIn are spot on. Um, uh, Thank you. Very, in, like it actually addresses certain issues that entrepreneurs go through and from your experience you know starting what a collective and you know being such an amazing entrepreneur from 19 I think um, it comes from experience and it's really really like authentic in a way that I, I, I haven't seen many blog posts do that so um, I'm going to put down the links for all of that so of all the listeners out there she's really good at you know crowdsourcing her ideas uh, to to create some real value uh, to to everyone. Um, so can you just go a little bit back and we're gonna get back into what I collective and you know, give you um, uh, some opportunity to talk more about the, the consulting platform. Uh, we just, I just wanna really know a little bit about like where you grew up and how was it like? Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, so when I was a kid, I actually grew up in the Bronx in New York. Um, so, uh, that was really interesting because I grew up in the Bronx. My parents were entrepreneurs. They were starting their first business. So we weren't wealthy. We didn't have that much money. So it was kind of hard growing up there, but it helped shape a lot of my experiences and perspectives on uh, the challenges of people who are starting from nothing and having to really build their own uh, just like become self-made essentially and seeing my parents do that as well and then when my parents basically did really well with their business we ended up moving to New Jersey in a really wealthy area so I got to see both of those worlds so that was really interesting for me to grow up and kind of see that contrast. That's amazing that's amazing um, and uh, if, you, if you don't mind how did your parents um, what, what industry were they working in and how did that did you go to work with them and how was the structure of like the entrepreneurial journey was it something that you saw it from home or you just over time learned what they were doing? Yeah so um, they are they were in the food industry and like uh so I definitely went to their stores a lot when I was younger. And yeah, just like witnessing them go through that, I just saw the insane amount of time that they would have to put into the business. Like, for example, they worked seven days a week, even if the store wasn't open, they would go into the store to manage inventory and stuff like that. So I saw a lot of the struggle. I saw the intense amount of work that was involved. So it almost kind of set my expectations when I started my businesses of really understanding the deep work that was involved. I wasn't, I wasn't like in fantasy land of like, this is going to be overnight success. It's like, no, I witnessed my parents do this for 20 years and how long it took them to be a success. So um, yeah, it was really interesting. And even when they came home at night, like 
they would still be working on the business. So it was a pretty intense experience to witness that for sure. I think so because I think entrepreneurship in some sense, we get to see the highlights, we get to see the final fundraising and all that. But I think from your experience, you got to see the hard work uh, behind it. Yeah. And, and I think when we go into water collective, uh, in a space like Cameroon, it's even much more difficult. I can imagine, right? <laughs> to navigate yeah. that, just growing up there, like, you can you can get really frustrating. So uh, for you to see that earlier on, I think it has so much, um, you know, I will also like a 10,000 uh, hour role, like you actually got to expose yourself very early on and learn some very good skills like resilience, tenacity, and just being like hardworking, which I think is important. Um, so just to go now into the first company you started, if you can give us, by the way, it was quite a success from what I read. How was it like, if you can just give us, you know, how the idea started, I know you mentioned it earlier in the, on this episode, but if you can just give us like how the initiation phase started um, and how you found your, your co-founder, right? You had with your friend and just give us what happened and how yeah. it became such a success. Yeah, so my co-founder was actually my best friend and, and roommate from college and I think it's the idea honestly came from the fact that we would go to concerts every single weekend and it was almost like we were doing user research without even realizing for like a lot of months and uh my co-founder was actually an entrepreneur as well like she started her first company when she was 12 so <laughs> um she was a very successful entrepreneur in her own right so uh, yeah, the idea came from just an internal frustration, honestly, like people say that the best customer is you. And that was so true in our experience. So, uh, yeah, it was when we thought of the idea and we, we were really quick about execution. We didn't spend any time sitting on the idea. We literally put in our deposit to set up a vendor tent at our first like event within a couple of months of coming up the idea so we had a deadline and then we created the clothing in preparation for that event so we just like moved really fast and looked at it as like this is going to be fun this is an experiment we didn't have in our heads that we're going to build a business it was more like we're going to do this fun side project and honestly I think that was the best mentality ever that we could have gone into it because I think that when people take things too seriously when they're launching a new business. They uh, basically pressure themselves, stress themselves out in preparation for launch when in actuality, you should be looking at the first year of your business as a big experiment. And if you look at it as anything other than that, you're going to be really disappointed with the results when you first start. So um, yeah, I think for us, it just like ended up really working out via the route that we took. I completely agree. Um, um, such a right move. And I think it came from just, uh, I think sometimes just action, right? Like rather than just brainstorming and brainstorming, you might brainstorm to the couple of years. In. So exactly. um, that's amazing. And so you guys sold it at, when you're 19? No, um, we sold it when we were 22 so yeah something like two and a half years or something like that that's really good that's really good uh two years in the business and you sold it that's pretty cool uh, and so just to now get into water collective what was the the goal of that like i know like what was the motive behind it and 
Um, I actually like the collective and just give us an idea of how that, well, like what inspired you by the way to study it and, um, you know, just what was like the initiation phase with that? Yeah, so I think for us, we wanted to build an organization that basically created the foundation of helping Cameroon organizations and Cameroon team members basically take our idea and like grow it because like we understood when we first started the business, like, look, we know that the best people to solve Cameroon problems are Cameroonians. It's not gonna be Americans. So what we're trying to do was we're trying to create the financial base of, we know that we can bring in a lot of money to this and we know that we can build the infrastructure of like, when it came to training communities on the maintenance programs, there was obviously a lot of curriculum development and training like booklets and all those like materials and knowledge frameworks that had to be created so we created those frameworks and systems and the idea was we want our Cameroon team to basically take all of that and we just act as a funding source and our team just executes all that with the communities that we're partnered with so that was the motivation was honestly to just be an amplifier for Cameroonians that already know what they need to do and how to do it and just give them the structure and the resources to execute on that. Uh, and on and like the other thing was just correcting a wrong that was going on for a lot of years. There's a lot of water NGOs still mm. that are US, UK based that do a lot of things in water that are in my opinion, really inappropriate because they are treating this concept of giving people water almost as like a corporate entity where they're trying to drill as many wells as possible without thinking about is this well still going to work three years from now am i giving people false promises am i destroying their lives by giving them water for two years and then it disappears so i think there's like a sense of responsibility and you know for us, like we had felt a very strong sense of responsibility of we don't want to contribute to that problem. So how can we create an organization that really addresses that and talks about it and thinks about this in a way that feels more human and not like a corporate, you know, agenda of like drill as many wells as possible, conquer as much land. Like it's just a ridiculous thing. <laughs> Exactly. And, and the thing, the interesting thing is, so um, there was this book that came out two years ago uh, called The Prosperity Paradox. I'm sure you might have seen that on my LinkedIn profile. Um, mm -hmm. And it was written by late Professor Christian Senning. And he exactly, I think the whole premise of the book was to give the, like to give a theory that you have to actually co-create with the locals when you're trying to, either from a business standpoint or from a non-profit standpoint, like you pull most of the time people push resources, which is kind of what you're trying to say, but you have to pull resources out of the people. And that, and I think that's what you're trying to address. And, and it's like clearly what you just mentioned is what the book was talking about. And I think it has some really good reviews as a result of that. Like we look at, you know, community based on, or oh, you have a problem we want to solve it, but rather, rather you have to say, how can we work with you to address that problem? And so I think you, you are ahead of, the times because that book actually got some really good reviews as a result mm -hmm. of addressing poverty let's go into some exciting stuff how was it like registering a company in Cameroon did you register here in the U.S. or you registered it in 
We were registered in the U.S. We looked into registering in Cameroon, and honestly, it just wasn't worth it. We had we actually talked to a lot of U.S. organizations that ended up registering in Cameroon, and we're like, "Do you recommend it?" And they're like, "No, don't do it." <laughs> so we didn't end up doing it from the advice of people who had they they were telling us stories of just like the how long it took and they just had to go through so many different ridiculous processes so <laughs> yeah fair enough, fair enough. Um, and what was it like to hire the locals what was your process like and just to give a backdrop most of the listeners here uh, presumably are interested in starting businesses in emerging or frontier markets so uh, giving these details can really help them you know, design a framework on how to get into these markets and how to develop uh, on how to actually you know, fill in the nooks and crannies of starting a business there. So I think yeah. to know how your hiring process was like. Absolutely. So uh, when it came to our first hires, what we actually did was uh, in the communities that we work with, everyone had cousins. Everyone had cousins that lived in Douala or Buea. Uh, <laughs> and um, honestly, when people heard that we were working in these communities everyone's cousin came out so (laughs) 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 so what's good about that is that when people's cousins come out we get to meet these people and we get to really see who has really deep interest in this work and who has a lot of potential so through that way we were able to meet a lot of people that went to the University of Boea was studying, you know, development work, they were interested in project management, they wanted to do this full time with someone. So we actually found our first employees just through families of, you know, the first communities that we're partnered with. And, you know, from there, we just kept growing. And, you know, we were really, we were really, um, we filtered out a lot of people. We weren't like, we're not playing games here. We're not going to just hire anyone. You need to show a lot of different skill sets. So we tested a lot of people. We made sure that, you know, for us, the biggest factor that we looked for when we were hiring employees, especially when you're doing work that's on the ground and uh, you have so much involvement with the local community, you need someone who has a lot of emotional intelligence, a lot of empathy, and they're a good negotiator and a peacekeeper. So we looked for those four things a lot when we were um, interviewing people for the roles. And then from there, after we had like our core hires, um, it was honestly really easy to find like really talented people in Cameroon. Like we would, we would, for example, put up job posts and um, at the local universities. We actually did work in uh, Northeast Cameroon. Uh, I forget the area that's called, but there was, we hired a lot of people near Yaoundé. Um, and so we were kind of spread out as far as our team goes so that we didn't have to pay so much traveling costs. Um, so yeah, we honestly put out job posts and because our core team members, they had a lot of emotional intelligence, a lot of empathy. They were really good at interviewing people and seeing who had those same characteristics as them. So honestly, because I think like my best advice is just make sure that your first, like your core one to two people that you hire are perfect 
they're the perfect epitome of who you want on your team. Because if you have that perfect person, they're going to make it so much easier when they're interviewing people to tell you honestly, like this person is either really similar to me and we get along really well or they don't. And honestly, that made it so much easier for us. It's so funny you mentioned cousins because everybody has like a vast amount of cousins that come up from yeah. nowhere. So that's, that's, that's... <laughs> and I think just one uh, other thing in terms of just uh, emotional intelligence, right? Um, I think that's a very key aspect of how I think you like you really have to focus more on that because just the way the society has been structured, and it's pretty amazing that you could actually figure that out with your with your team. And just a quick question: Where were you guys based? In Boya, Bamenda, or Douala? We we did work in Bamenda. We did work mm. in Boya, but you know all the communities that we were in. They weren't near the cities. We basically like we would drive out of Boea like you know four hours or from Douala six hours. So we were pretty in deep into the rainforest there. Interesting, interesting. Um, that's amazing.